Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Good morning. It is good to be with you today. We are in week four of our Rooted journey. Last week, Pastor Phil talked about how God speaks to us through scripture and through the Holy Spirit and through other people and how he even speaks to us through life's difficulties, which is where we'll focus our time today. Now, I know that all of us are experiencing some type of challenge in our life right now. For example, just in the last few weeks, I've personally experienced the loss of a family friend. I've had a loved one receive a troubling diagnosis. I've experienced tension in family relationships. And then to kind of top it all off, just over a week ago, I was in a car accident, which left my car totaled. I was uh, just hit while sitting at a stoplight. I was driving the carpool home from soccer, so thank God none of the six kids who were in my car at the time were, were badly injured. There were a few bumps and bruises, but it could have been way worse, so praise God for that. But I can, I can still close my eyes and just see headlights coming right at us. And I've been reminded of how precious and finite life really is and how life can change in an instant. If you are part of the MCC prayer wall, then you know the the pain and the struggles that people in our midst are experiencing. We are all walking through challenges and difficulties and struggles But thankfully, we have a savior who is very familiar with suffering. And so we're gonna learn from him today. Early on in this series, Pastor Phil shared an important encounter in Acts 5, where the apostles were brought before the religious leaders of the day because they had been preaching in the name of Jesus. And as a result, they were beaten and then released from jail. And do you remember their response? In Acts 5, 41, it says they rejoiced. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Have you ever rejoiced as a result of something that you've suffered Joy is not our go-to emotion when we experience pain. What we tend to do when we see suffering in the world or when we experience suffering personally is we tend to question God. We ask, where are you, God? Or how could you let this happen? And that's what we're gonna talk about today in, um, in our time together now and also this week in our rooted groups is where is God in the midst of suffering? 
So let's go together to John chapter 11 to the story of Lazarus. We're gonna walk through this chapter together today and pull out the, the wisdom and the truths of God's word. The story begins in verse three, which says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we are reminded here that Jesus and Lazarus are good friends, that Jesus loves him as a brother. Verse four says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus knows this is not the end for Lazarus and that God would be glorified in this situation. Verse five reads, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we see the word love for a second time. So Jesus was a close friend of the entire family. So it's surprising to read the next verse. Verse six says, so when he, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. <laughs> wait, wait. Your good friend is sick and dying and you don't go immediately to see him? Jesus healed strangers, but now his close friend is in need and he waits. This delay doesn't make sense to us. But isn't this a reality that we've all faced at some point in our lives when we cry out to Jesus for help and he doesn't respond right away? Or maybe he doesn't respond in the way that we want him to respond. So we can begin to question his sovereignty and goodness. Mary and Martha are wrestling with this same kind of question. They're looking at their awful situation and they're saying, where are you, Lord? When Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. There was a superstition of the day among Jewish people that a soul would stay near the grave for three days, hoping to return to the body. But after four days, it was generally accepted that there was absolutely no hope of that person coming back to life. This perceived delay of Jesus was not a denial of the prayer request at all. And it actually was quite purposeful because instead his actions would ensure that people would believe the miracle and the event would bring greater glory to God, just as he said. So we pick back up in verse 21 Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't it refreshing to see how honest Martha was with her frustration that Jesus arrived late? She tells Jesus exactly how she feels. And she goes on to say, after voicing her disappointment, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So Martha, despite her frustration and sadness, still maintains a strong faith in Jesus. She's still trusting him. Verse 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. 
And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the, res- in the resurrection at the last day. So like many first century Jews, Martha believed in an end time resurrection of God's people. But she's feeling this immediate grief over the loss of her brother and essentially saying, but, but that doesn't help me in my pain at this moment. And many of us have been in that place in the midst of suffering where we know the ultimate promise of everlasting life and we have hope in Jesus to restore all things. But our current situation is so overwhelming that it's hard not to feel crushed by the weight of our circumstances. In his book, Through the Eyes of a Lion, Facing Impossible Pain and Finding Incredible Power, Pastor Levi Lusco, who tragically lost his five-year-old daughter, speaks for all Christians who suffer when he says, we might not sorrow as those who have no hope, but that doesn't mean we won't be sad. We do a disservice Anytime we try to rush people through the process of grief as though it were spiritual to put a happy face on a horrible thing. He goes on to write, I trust my daughter is in heaven, as many are quick to remind me when they write encouraging notes. But that doesn't mean living without her is easy. Rebecca McLaughlin, author of Confronting Christianity, writes about it this way. She says, our pain is real and urgent. It refuses to be soothed by faraway hope. Neat theological answers will not do, but neither are they all that Christianity offers. Because what we read next is critical to how we walk through suffering. It's the claim that we, we cling to as followers of Christ. In verse 25, Jesus says to her, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus reminds Martha and and all of us that he is the giver of life. He is God in the flesh. And even in the grief of her immediate situation, Martha's greatest need is not to have her brother back, but to trust and believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of her life. Jesus says to her, Martha, do you believe this? And she responds, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha demonstrates that in suffering, this gives us an opportunity to trust God. And I don't know about you, but I tend to rely on God more in times of struggle than I do when life is good. When Martha calls her sister Mary out to see Jesus, we see Mary has a similar response. Verse 32 says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So again, Mary's also very honest with Jesus about her frustration, which invites all of us to be honest in our relationship with him as well. 
The Gospels rarely tell us how Jesus feels. So this next verse describing his emotions is significant. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. These words don't quite capture the the force and the emotion of the original Greek language, which translates deeply moved to roar or snort with anger like a lion or a bull. And troubled in the original Greek translates to indignation or rage. The New Living Translation better captures the idea of verse 33 by saying a deep anger welled up within him. And so we we see here how Jesus feels about suffering and death. His response is this complicated mixture of sadness and anger. And Jesus is angry because he hates death, which is the result of sin that separates us from our loving heavenly father. But with, without Jesus, death is the ultimate separation. In the story of Lazarus, Jesus points to his own resurrection. And very soon, Mary and Martha will rejoice and praise God for an incredible miracle. But in this moment, death is the unconquered enemy. The enemy that will soon be defeated at the cross when Jesus will cry out, it is finished. But in this moment, Jesus is fighting back angry tears and he says, Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. And now we come to the shortest and and a somewhat confusing verse in the Bible. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. He he wept. And we, we have to ask ourselves, why is he crying? He has allowed Lazarus to die and he knows what's going to happen But think about this, as a fully human man, Jesus understands what it means to suffer loss because he's experienced it. Jesus loved his friends and he's shared pain with them in the midst of their suffering. And notice he didn't give Mary an answer or tell her, it's gonna be okay or don't worry about it. But he gives her himself in his presence. He meets her in her pain. And he weeps with those who weep. And in doing so, he models for us how we are to comfort one another in suffering by being present and sharing empathy. So where is God in the midst of suffering? He is right there with us. He is close to the brokenhearted and he grieves with us because God is love and his love for us is perfect. So he won't leave us in our suffering, not even for a moment. And Jesus doesn't watch suffering from afar, but he he takes that agony on himself The prophet Isaiah foretold the trials that Jesus would endure. In Isaiah 53, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. 
like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. In Jesus, we find the one who has experienced all of our pain. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus told the disciples that they would face similar trials. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice the the contrast between in me and in this world. So in me, in Jesus, there's peace. And in this world, there's trouble. Jesus didn't suffer so that we wouldn't have to suffer. He suffered so that when we suffer, we become more like him and can experience his peace that surpasses our understanding. But isn't it our human nature to believe that peace comes from a lack of suffering and not in the midst of suffering? Yet the Bible shows us a God who works powerfully in and through suffering to draw us closer to himself. So let's go back to John 11. Now, Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus, who has been dead for four days. And Jesus says, verse 39, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What an incredible moment that must have been where Jesus displays his power over death for all to see. In this story, it gives us a response to the question, why do good people suffer? Because the time period between Lazarus' death and resurrection allows Martha to experience Jesus for who he really is, the giver of life, and that we are to glorify him in all circumstances. And our suffering gives us an opportunity to do that. The story of Lazarus also teaches us that when we suffer, we are invited to honestly share our confusion and our sorrow with Jesus. 
but that we are also invited into deeper relationship with him. Because we can be tempted to think that our prayers are a means to an end and that God is like a genie in a bottle when we want our circumstances to change. But Martha's painful circumstances are what drive her to Jesus. And Jesus is the end. He is the resurrection and the life. The very next section of John's gospel is titled, The Plot to Kill Jesus. After Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, his enemies understood his power. So they conspired to kill him. And a few chapters later, Jesus was crucified. Jesus knew that to raise Lazarus from the dead meant he would have to die in his place. And Jesus would soon demonstrate again his power over sin and death, and he'd suffer immensely for it. This is the picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Tim Keller writes, we have a God who is so committed to to ending suffering and death that he was willing to come into the world and share in that suffering and death himself. So the question, where is God in the midst of suffering really becomes secondary to perhaps a more significant question that we all need to ask ourselves, which is, will I trust and believe God in the midst of my suffering, even when I don't understand his ways? Because the overall theme of biblical suffering is not a call to understand, but a call to trust. We can reflect back on week two of our rooted journey where we looked at who is God. And on the basis of that evidence, we are called to trust him in the midst of all of life's difficulties. We're told in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So our comfort shouldn't be the degree to which we can understand God's ways, but the degree to which we can trust that he is sovereign and good in all circumstances. Because God can use all circumstances to reveal himself and his purposes for us. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. God never promised us a pain-free life, but he did promise that he would be there with us in the midst of suffering because suffering teaches us to trust God for who he is, not for what we want him to do for us. If you are suffering today, you can go to God with your pain and your frustration. And maybe you'd like to pray with someone after the service. There will be members of our prayer team down front, and they would love to pray with you. 
Or you can go online and find all of our care resources or submit a prayer request online, knowing that there are people here who would love to pray with you. Or you can join us this Thursday, 7 p.m., for our Rooted Prayer experience and just have some intentional and focused time with God in prayer and worship. Because the reality is we all are going to experience suffering. It touches every one of us. And as we close our time together, Michael's going to come up and just share a little bit about his journey in trusting God in the midst of a struggle. May 27th, 2020 was one of the hardest days of my life. If not by far, it is the hardest day of my life. I remember that morning, the details of that morning, that afternoon very well. I remember waking up from nap in the afternoon and I felt my right ear is fully clogged. Like I can't hear anything in it. I remember rushing to John saying like, hey, can you look inside, like look in, the, in my ear, is there anything there? Like blocking the sound throughout that whole day you know I was like just like oh my gosh it's just clogged something is in there the next day I rushed to the ER and uh, they do some checks they freak out and uh, they say Michael you need to see an ENT right away and apparently what happened is I lost my hearing in my right ear I remember how hard it was it was awful so you know how that time you're talking about may three months into the pandemic there's no vaccine doctors aren't open they're not taking patients so it takes forever it takes almost 20 days to to get an appointment and during these 20 days i had so many experiences happened with me so my hearing after the fourth or the fifth day started coming back but it comes back with an unwanted guest that is called tinnitus. I don't know if you've heard of tinnitus before, but um, it sounds like this. Can you hear it? It's 24 seven ringing in my head after like my hearing comes back. I lose sleep. I can't function normal. And I'm thinking about what happened and I started like you know we what we do all we google stuff and we start freaking out yeah some people are laughing they know it and we put the worst case scenario and I was waiting in these 20 days on God to start praying for healing and all of that and I was just waiting on God to do something because I know sometimes it happens and it goes away but it was for 20 straight days until the day I met the doctor I'm like oh my goodness I'm praying every day it's not going away this is serious it's terrible I'm a, I'm a musician how, how, how my life is going to be affected by this and I start hearing about all these big musicians that lost their hearing and all of that so I get to the doctor and on that day I read the scripture from Isaiah in the morning before I go to the doctor forget all the old things I'm making something new now springs in the wilderness and all of that and I go to the doctor and in my brain okay 20 days is enough of suffering I'm ready I've been praying and 
I'm gonna go to the doctor, the doctor is gonna do procedure and I'm gonna be healed. And everything is gonna go back to normal. I get to the doctor, the doctor go, recommends us like a hearing check. We check the hearing and he sits with me and he said, Michael, I have to tell you this thing, but um, I'm so sorry, but when your hearing came back, it didn't came back full and you have this amount of hearing loss in your right ear and that's usually, it's not the case that it's recovered. And I said, well, okay, how about tinnitus? And he goes, well, this is the hardest part of it is you're going to have this for the rest of your life. So you're going to have to learn how to live with it. And he leaves me. And I see my life rolling in front of me. You know, those moments when you're suffering and you see your life in front of you, all the times that you led worship, you played music, your dreams in front of you. Like literally, I was planning to go to Nashville to record like an EP with my friends and I put everything on hold. Everything, every single thing on hold. And my, like I shatter. And my, my close friends, my roommates and my coworker, my roommate John, um, and, and my coworkers know how hard it was for me. And you know what? And in, in all of that suffering, I was like looking at the scripture that God gave me that morning. I was like, well, I see no springs. It's only wilderness. I see only desert. Didn't you just promise me this morning? I wrestled with God in that. And you know, a lot of times when we go and take our prayers to God in suffering, we just, we want the prayer answer to be tailored on our size. It's like my jeans that fits me really well. It's my shirt that the shoulders look good on me. That's how we want our prayer and uh, our answers to the prayers. And honestly, for the most part, that's not how God answers prayers. Yes, we believe he heals. He's a healer. He's mighty. He's powerful. But Amy shared a little bit earlier, she said like, the promise wasn't for us not to suffer. We were going to suffer. There is healing. But you know, the ultimate healing is when we see him face to face. That's where we're going to be healed for good. You know, amen. We believe that. And I'll tell you about my healing journey because my healing journey was so different. I want it to be like one day I'm going to go to bed and I'm gonna, not going to hear tinnitus or I'm going to wake up, especially like in silence. You, it just kills me 24-7, nonstop. I was healed differently this time. And I think this is what God wanted to teach me through this. It doesn't mean he caused this to teach me, but I think healing took different shape than what I wanted. Healing took a lot of me and this time healing meant maturing. You know, pain molds us. You feel like pain shapes the way we live. It shapes the way we think. It shapes the way we act and react to people around us. We're just different because we're in pain. And God wanted to mature me out of that pain. Learn how not to focus only my, on myself and my pain, but turn towards others and ask them, how are you doing? Not just, oh, I have this tinnitus and it's awful and it's killing me. So I was healed through maturing. And that was the first way I was healed. The second way I was healed was through love. You know, those, in those moments of suffering, Amy talked earlier about Jesus wept. He walked in a situation, one of his best friends is dead. He's in the, he's in the grave. 
He couldn't do anything but wept. And I can tell you I was healed by love because the prayers, the moments that I spent with family, with friends, with people from church, the love that I felt that they were willing to listen. They were willing to say, I'm sorry. Was so healing. And that love was deeper than any love that I could experience. And that was healing love. And I think one of the most important ones that we need to carry throughout the journey is the third one for me. So I was healed through his presence. You know, during that time of suffering, it was very easy to open my Bible and read and feel God's near, feel his presence. I remember the mornings that I would sit on the, on the floor of the bathroom, just crying because of tinnitus. But as soon as I opened my Bible, started reading this truth about my life, God's peace was right there. I love the, I love the verse in Philippians 4 and, and, and verse 7, where it says, the peace of God guards your heart that peace was guarding my heart against every bad idea and I don't know where you are in the in the journey of suffering maybe there is someone near you who's suffering maybe your significant other maybe your kids maybe someone from your family and maybe you need to be that person that will be there just with love because love is healing and it's enough even if we don't have this ultimate healing Or maybe you are suffering and you just, you're questioning and questioning and questioning and questioning and questioning. And it's time just to let go and say, God, here's my life. Here's everything. I've tried to ask you the questions. I tried to go to the doctors. I tried to fix my problem in every possible way and pray through it. And maybe it's time to tell him, hey, I, I wish it, the, the prayer answer is going to be the way I want it. I still wish I had, I have that prayer answered. But maybe it's time for us to just lean in and just let go of the control of like we need to fix things the certain way we want and let God, let His presence just guard your heart and let His peace just take over the expectations and maybe the, the bad expectations expectation can be very bad about ourselves we're not promised with perfect bodies we are promised that one day will be perfect because of the body that he is going to give us in heaven physically i'm not healed this morning i woke up and it was like right there ringing but i am healed from the inside I am healed with my attitude. I am healed because I still believe who He is. He is who He is. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. I believe that I'm healed because I'm still standing till this day and I didn't lose what I'm doing just because of this thing in my body. I'm still able to worship Him and to sing to Him, to mix and to do everything. And maybe this morning, for us to go just beyond what we expect of healing with the answer of prayers God I want you to answer because I want to be your answer not my expectation would you please bow your heads and just take a moment with the Lord Lord I surrender all I surrender even my expectations I want them to be your expectations 
I believe that you are good and everything you think about me is good. I believe your desire is to give me a good life. But Lord, I'm not going to give up just because of this answer of prayer doesn't fit my expectation, doesn't fit my agenda, but I'm after you. I seek you. I seek your heart. I seek your face first. Lord, help me, help me to be love to people around me so when they're suffering, I can just cry and be there with them. And help me to be that presence of peace that guards the heart. Help me spread that peace. I surrender to you. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.